0: Take the time to feel that gratitude and you know, use that. When you feel that and you feel grateful for what you've done and you celebrate those wins, you have to celebrate every win. Every little win should be celebrated because especially in the beginning of the business, those wins may be few and far between sometimes, and they get more as you go along. But celebrate what you got, and yeah, there's a lot more to come. I would love uh maybe come back in a couple of years and tell you how we're we're crushing everybody now as the new uh, sustainable Nike of travel. So we'll see.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey, creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company, DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. These conversations have been recorded with a live audience on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and we've brought you the best moments from our conversation, discussing the various struggles that founders have had to face. If you'd like to be part of the live conversations where we allow the audience to participate, please follow me on Instagram at Chris Colbert Report. In this conversation, I'm talking to Brendan Kennedy, the CEO and founder of the travel apparel company Next Stop. We talk about his struggles raising money, the challenges of working with a business partner, and how his vision has allowed him to work with some of the biggest brands and entertainers while also being featured in places like Forbes, GQ, Vogue, and USA Today
0: it's interesting i spent my entire life after college working as a consultant so i was flying every single week most people do this type of job you leave on monday morning you fly the client you come back on thursday and i ended up doing it for many years in a row two years straight jfk lax every single week for two years and i started to think about just what i was wearing what my uniform was when i was going to the plane how I wanted it to be super easy to pack. I didn't have that much stuff I could bring with me. It's always a carry-on, and I wanted it to be versatile. I wanted it to be comfortable. And most of the times, I would fly to LAX, run, get the rental car, hop in the car, drive down to Laguna Beach, and it would be an all-day thing. So I wanted to be comfortable, but maybe go straight into the office and have things that were stylish stylish and versatile. So I started to have this idea for Next Stop maybe in you know about 2012, 2013, but it really wasn't until 2016 when I got a little more serious about it. I finally I was working on another startup at the time uh, when I came out of business school. I was still traveling a lot. And I said, hey, you know, this travel lifestyle, even just beyond this uniform I want for travel, I don't see any company out there that's making travel specific clothing that's a cool company where I want to represent that lifestyle. And I trademarked a couple things that were pretty cool, like the plane logo. Um, we did some airport codes. And the very first collections I did were for sort of people to represent their cities or represent kind of jet setting. One of the things that happened was we had Diplo and some of the guys in Mad Decent start to wear the hats. We just had hats. That's the only thing I could do. That's the only thing I had money to put out there with <laughs> the the airplane logo, which is still obviously our main logo today. And when they started to wear it, it was our first test where I saw, wow, people, you know, think this might be cool. And we want to deal with Golden Voice, actually, who's the group that manages Coachella and puts that on. They have a couple other festivals, and they brought us in to do uh, the headwear merchandising for the FYF Fest in LA. And that was the first time where I said, Okay, we proved this some celebrities like it. We know that we can get some deals. This is interesting. But it took me at that point a a sort of like a stop where i said this is cool but what else could it be what else is going to make this interesting and i started to really look inside about what i cared about sustainability is a really important topic that came up more and more just personally i travel all the time i've grown up surfing sailing doing everything on the water and i just kept saying to myself you know if there's got to be more to this brand where we can do something innovative. And it's not just about the clothing or the lifestyle, but it's about something a little bit more where we can move the needle. And it took me almost two years to learn what sustainability was. I didn't go to school for that. I didn't go to school for fashion. You know, It was a little bit of a testing out to see what this was going to become. And in point of fact, in 2019, I met the CEO of Kelly Slater's brand, which is called Outer Known, and they're deeply and
1: Kelly Slater's oh, a ahead. surfer, right?
0: Yeah, Kelly Kelly Slater is effectively like the Michael Jordan of surfing, <laughs> like the, far and away the best surfer that has ever lived. And
1: the fact that you know, I know his name means that he must yes, be famous. Because I don't know his, any other surfers besides that.
0: But him, right? Well, he dated Pamela Anderson for a while. He was kind of you know <laughs> he was he was making his <laughs> waves in other places, but. He started a brand that was all about sustainability and how that you can really, you know, give back and do things for the earth that you love. I met the CEO of this brand, Mark, at a conference, and he was the first person who kind of connected me into the right places. So we finally had the supply chain ready to go. And I came up with this idea of fusing together sustainability with performance and that concept became travel leisure. So we trademarked travel leisure in two thousand nineteen, almost like Nike dry fit of how we're gonna put this together, put a tech piece behind it. And we came into twenty twenty thinking, travel's huge, you know, I was gonna leave my full time job to do next stop full time. And in January twenty twenty I did quit my job and was about ready to come out and do this when COVID hit. Got a little timing. That's the timing, right? So I'll just stop there and say, this was the preamble of putting all the pieces in place. And then we we came full into the, the COVID time, expecting it to be huge travel. And then that stopped.
1: And yeah, I guess when you were deciding to leave your job, obviously, we don't know the pandemic was coming yet. What was it that gave you that confidence to feel like now is the right time to go all in on this? was it kelly slater (laughs) you know you're working with big brands big celebrities like yeah what what was it that gave you that confidence i
0: i think more than anything i was actually in peru uh, at a factory working on some of the samples and then i sort of came to this decision it was time to go because there's only so much you can do part-time you can't there's not enough hours in the day to dedicate all that you can to a specific, you know, passion. And I think it, it finally comes to the point where I had enough money to at least get things moving. And I had the belief that we could make it happen. And I, if I didn't invest enough time to truly push it forward, it was never going to get over the threshold of just a hobby.
1: No, that, that is so true. Like, yeah, we, we keep trying to carve out more time for ourselves. And ultimately, you know, a lot of times we you have to let something go. And that's, you know, obviously an extreme situation in terms of like, I have to leave this full-time job to go full-time with this other job, this, you know, business I'm trying to create. But I think it's even with the small things in our lives, even just tasks. Like we keep trying to yep. pile more tasks onto our plate. Well, sometimes that means you have to let go of certain tasks, whether that means delegating them or, you know, just letting them go altogether. But I think that's a really excellent point.
0: Yeah, I mean – it's going to be cliche, and you'll hear it from everybody, but time is the most valuable resource you have. And the older you get, the more, I think, hardship you endure, the more it becomes very clear to you that spending your time where it is most valuable, most fun, most rewarding, most, most lucrative is just the most important decision that you can make. And if you don't do that, you waste it in tasks and other stuff that may not really either bring you joy or completely just waste your time and maybe money. So I came to that point. And ironically, March 2020, March 7th, we did our photo shoot for the Travel Leisure collections. We just had samples, we didn't have any inventory. I remember I filmed the video sitting in the director's chair and the video began as such. We live in a golden age of travel. That was my opening statement for this video, and then next week, everything came slamming to a
1: stop. Wow!
0: Yeah. Wow. So uh, we did. I, I will say, I did have an inkling that this was going to happen because in in February, February second of twenty twenty, my supplier from China came over, and I'd started to hear paying attention about the COVID stuff. We were out for a beer, and he says, "Hey, you know, you," I, well, I said to him, "I said, you know, Fred, what's going on with this?" With this virus. And he's like, it is way worse than whatever they're telling you. They're saying it's tens of thousands of people. It is hundreds of thousands of people. Wow. And they're going to close everything very soon. You wait. And sure enough, two days later, they issued that, that lockdown from China and shut all the planes off. And it was like from there, everything started to Spiral, but I think even with that, it wasn't clear yet the impact that that was going to have on the United States. We were just sort of Mm -hmm. thinking, "Hey, this is China, you know, don't worry about it." But obviously, that that wasn't the case.
1: Yeah. So going into now, essentially starting your business, yes, it had already been started behind the scenes, but going all in on the company and really, you know, trying to make these overtures and all the work that you're trying to do there. As COVID is beginning, like how did you deal with that uncertainty of I would assume supply chains and raising money? Like how did you how did you manage that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty hairy for a little while because basically, you know, I was out of a job, it left my job, and then we it spent fifteen thousand dollars on this shoot and then realized we weren't gonna be able to go forward. And it was, you know, uncertain what was gonna happen to the United States and Again, the same guy called me back in the middle of of March, and he said, "You know, are you thinking about these face masks? You know, over here, this is really important. Everybody's wearing them. You know, I'm telling you, this is going to be a big deal." And at the same time, I'm talking to a friend of mine in New York who used to run all of the fire safety for Metro North Railroad and Long Island Railroad, and he was telling me, you know, to kind of gauge how serious it was. He's like, "Listen, man, there's bodies in pickup trucks." Dump trucks, like bodies filled with these things. This shit is serious. It is gonna be really ugly here and this is not going away. This is gonna get worse. So when I kind of heard from him how serious it was, and then this guy telling me he had the supply chain, you know, Kim was actually the one. Uh, my partner Kim, you know, who, who you interviewed, right? She she's she's an interesting person because it takes a lot of time to convince her about certain things. And I turned to her and I say, you know, this guy tells me he can do this, but I'm not sure, you know, like, I don't have a job, I've got to, like, not sure what to do about money. And she says, you know, you should do this, and I'm so sure that you should do it, that I will give you my money to do so. And I kind of went out for a run, and it hit me like a bolt of lightning. I said, if this is truly this serious and all the travel is going to change, that means everybody in the world is going to need one of these things. And mm-hmm. we have this concept of travel leisure about this performance and sustainability. I've got this guy on the supply chain who's telling me he can do it. I've worked with him for a long time. I know that he's going he's gonna to be good. If I can put it together, that means Delta is going to need this. Hotels are going to need this, people everywhere, and we could do it. And I came home and I called him up and said, I want 10,000 units. I want to do bamboo because I want to do something sustainable. Make it happen. And then California went into the lockdown a few days after that. And I called him back and I said, 100,000 units. What can you do? Put it through. I sold everything I had. I liquidated all the stock that I had in, in VMware, who so I worked for before. At a very awful time, the stock had cut in half. Since Ooh. since they would announced that, so I basically sold it all to loss. Went to some friends, got a convertible note done, and uh, then was introduced to an investment bank through a friend to help me finance the inventory. And we shipped those masks. And sure enough, on April third, we went live on the site, uh, and then from there it exploded. And Kim. Kim went out again and got us in front of GQ, Vogue, Esquire. She got to those people and said, Next Stop's got these masks, put us in these features, and we we absolutely blew up.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, Brendan obviously was referring to Kim, uh, Kim Roach, who uh, was a guest here on Entrepreneur Struggle um, a couple episodes ago. So make sure you go back and check out that episode because she also is an entrepreneur. And so, yep. you know, uh, obviously, you know, she has the same kind of acumen that you have in terms of trying to, you know, see the long term uh, gains that can be had and also pivoting when people are panicking. And I think yep. just specifically what you were saying, like, OK, there's that initial panic of, oh, crap, like I just sold everything. Well, I hadn't sold everything yet, but like I quit my job. I put myself in this vulnerable position. I just spent $15,000 on this video. And now the business model has to change. And instead of just wallowing in that, and yes, you're going to feel that immediate emotion, but then you were able to take that and think with a little bit of clarity and think more long-term and also more, even in the here and now, of what are people going to need soon? before anybody else does. And so you're able to then pivot the business in being able to now do masks as opposed to you know maybe just the, the hats and some of the other merchandise uh, apparel that you were uh, working on before. And was there, I know you said you went for a run. Is that something that you do to help to give yourself that kind of clarity? Because it, it seems like there was like physical activity in some of these things where you were having these moments of clarity.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I am a, a big meditation uh, person. Every day I start with at least thirty to sixty minutes of meditation. The running itself is meditative for me. It's a time when I can I've had some of my best ideas ever when I'm just out and letting my brain sort of cycle through what those challenges are. And in many of the darkest times as well, when I need to go out and ideate, that's that's the way I do it. Because there's just infinite number of possibilities that can always happen and there's many times when you're so focused on something that you feel has to happen this way and then it doesn't and it puts you into a tailspin and you have to sort of backtrack from that and figure out your way to reset recenter and then recall that actually many or if not most things in life don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I love to say okay. nothing ever happens the way they're planned. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So this is, you learn to deal with it and, and adjust. And I think being a startup, yes, we were in a, a position where we were paying attention probably more than everybody else, right? Because it was a travel brand and now travel is stopped. So of course, we were really trying to think about what was going to go on then we had the right people and we could pivot and move quickly and i think for us keeping the supply chain nimble and being able to pivot and make changes is a secret sauce or for any business being able to pivot and move quickly is is really important and you know no more so than in the the pandemic
1: yeah, and your and your partner Kim, who, as we said, you know, she has her own business, but also is an equity. She's also an equity partner within uh, Next Stop. Yep. and so you know, she's helping put in money early on. She is a part of the business till this day. What are some of the challenges working with your partner on a business, or even just you know, and, and I'll say challenges, but also what are some of the positives of that too, um, and having yeah. an entrepreneurial partner?
0: Well, I'll say say this: so Kim, in the very beginning of 2020 right she went all in to help me in fact what happened just to continue the story of the mass very briefly is when we got all of the the features for vogue gq and esquire that was literally her just brute forcing it to go out there find those people email them and be like you need to get these guys in your articles because they've got great product nobody else does then she turned around and became a salesperson where she and a lot of her girlfriends I pulled onto the team, and we went out and got wholesale deals. Her friends landed Delta Airlines for us, Age of its Budget Group, Samsung, Blizzard, uh, NASA. They went out there, and she was the head of sales for a little while to go do this. And these are just, you know, literally, no, none of these women had any experience doing direct sales. They were just hungry, <laughs> and they were resourceful, and they were like, we want to make money. So we grabbed them and did it. <laughs> it's and a nice motivator. That and that was a nice motivator. I mean, she she came in and mm-hmm. she she made that happen. But I will say that it's important. She is very minimally, if almost not at all, involved in the business now. And that was very much on purpose because to I just think it was selfish, first of all, of me to be asking so much. You know, even though she does have a stake, there's other things it was becoming a lot more than I think, you know, really an advisor or like a, a part-time kind of help would be. And secondarily, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I, I think it would be tough to be going through it together as partners in life and partners in business, because there's, you're living and breathing all the stuff all the time and it can get really intense. And I think yeah. it's actually been much much better in all senses now that she's helped and at times she comes back and gives me a hand but now she's doing her own thing and I've got this and then there's these two separate paths that are going forward and it's enough space but it's also involvement and I help her I mean I'm more of like a key grip for her because she does a lot (laughs) of sound healing and other things (laughs) there's not too much I can do at the moment but it's I think that that space is also really important it's not you can't keep calling on that over and over and over again without it I think leading to to maybe over over asking.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I have a mother and a sister who are entrepreneurs and both have had their significant others involved in businesses where they both were leading the company. And it wasn't just like a piece of equity. It was similar to kind of how you all started where, yeah, they're all running around and doing all the tasks to make this business hopefully successful. And that wears you down quickly. And and you kind of touched on it briefly of just like, where does the business relationship end, and the you know the personal you know loving relationship uh, begin and, and end, and that can really get bled. In, you know those things tend to bleed, and especially in an early business where you're sinking so much time and resources into it, it's hard to find time to have a relationship if you know yep. there is a business involved. So I think it's smart that you all are kind of you know. I guess, backtracking off that a little bit in terms of like the amount of involvement. But I would also assume that there's got to be some positive to having an entrepreneur as a partner to be able to bounce off each other and be able to relate to each other's struggles and and just some of the angst that might come along.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that I've actually had a a partner in my previous uh, company, Fathoms, which is still going. We raised about a million dollars through the National Science Foundation for a technology platform is basically business games for MBA programs. And my partner in that was a professor. He was actually my professor at Stanford. I ran back into him at MIT Business School where he was a professor there. And that was a challenging relationship. It was nice to have a partner there to share the ups and the downs and the burden. And there are times with NextStop where I wish I did have a true other co-founder who was fully involved especially you know fundraising right now is a very intense process and to expand your network to have more people to have somebody help run the business when those things are are going i think would be great on the other side of it in my previous business you know this guy who's still a friend of mine we just didn't get along in certain ways we did not see eye to eye it was not an easy equal partnership because he was really the, the creator of the technology and that created a lot of challenges too. You know, this guy is, I laugh at him because he was like a tenured professor driving around in a Porsche doing whatever he wants and then telling me to suck it up because, you know, that's how <laughs> entrepreneurship is. I'm like, get the hell out of here, man. Like, you, you know, you this is wild. And then, you know, he didn't want to raise money because he didn't, he didn't want to give away control. And he, He's a very uh, cautious individual in general. So he wants to think and, you know, take all this time. And I'm like, dude, we're going to be dead of old age before anything happens with this. So th- I saw what it was like to have a partner. And When I came to do Next Stop, I've you know, done it just as the sole founder. I do at times think about what it would be like to have a really – the right partner, I think, would be a great thing. Uh, And in the next business I have, whatever it is, I think I will really look long and hard to find a co-founder where we really truly see eye to eye, and Mm -hmm. that, that would be quite helpful.
1: Well, and so it's interesting you brought up uh, Fathomed because as I was like doing my research, I saw Fathom. They're like, hold on. It looks like you you know had started a business before. And I was wondering, yeah, yeah what had happened there? Because I saw that it doesn't look like you're, you're involved there anymore. So I didn't necessarily know what had happened there. But I guess leaving that situation, did that have any, I guess, residue as you were then, you guys, so you touched on a little bit of it. But did that then influence some of the decisions that you made as you were then starting NextStop?
0: Uh, It did. I mean, listen, like I said, the the funny thing is that business is going well and is continuing to grow strong. Like right now, the idea was to build in in 10 seconds, fathomed, patented a technology where you could build very simple games to play in your classes on your mobile phone, where the professor could talk about forecasting, pricing, uh, supply chain optimization. You'd play against each other in the class and you could stop the game and say, hey, these are the key things that I'm seeing based on the trends of the game and help you realize the fundamental concepts. Very powerful uh, tool. And we got money through the U.S. government to build this. When I left, we were in you know, 20 of the top business schools in the world. Now, I think Fathomed is in over 100 and working with people like Uber and others who want to have corporate development programs for their executives where they're learning these types of things. So. The Really, what it came down to, though, is we'd gotten our last amount of money through the government. And then, as I mentioned, my co-founder at the time didn't want to go raise extra money. So there was no more money, really, for me. There was money to hire some developers. Uh, that said, I took away a lot of important things. I learned how to do trademarks. I submitted all the trademarks for us on oh, that wow. company. Now, we do all that for Next Stop. We have the plane logo, Travel Leisure, Pack Less, Do More. We have four or five airport codes because we were doing that, um, I learned, you know, because of the rigor of this other guy handling the uh, expenses and handling a lot of our, you know, uh, legal types of things, I became competent in and and brought that. Uh, I have, I think, become much more attuned to what it costs these damn lawyers to do a bunch of shit that they say <laughs> they're going to do.
1: Oh, you spend um, so much
0: money on lawyers. I, I will, I have a plug though, if I could, there's a, if, if anybody here is looking for low cost lawyers, there are many groups now that operate as virtual councils only, where you can get access to them on Slack as a flat fee per month for unlimited access for what you do. So I use a group called at virtual council, and basically you pay for a tier, you know, like let's say, you know, you want basic, uh, help with your HR stuff, or you want, corporate documents submitted uh that's one tier or you want to do fundraising that's another tier but instead of it being an hourly rate it's just a flat fee and it's way more cost effective i mean maybe like 10 times less than wow. you would pay anywhere else and you get access to these people it's actually more efficient because you can see they use basecamp slack all sorts of tools where all your documents are there. You're always in constant communication, and you can basically call on them whenever you want. It's way better than all these these dinosaur lawyers who charge you <laughs> 700 bucks an hour to write you emails.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's a great tip because for two reasons, like you were just saying, especially in LA where where you are, where, you know, Southern California, me in New York, like we have such expensive lawyers. But yep. also, if you're in the middle of the United States, a lot of times you don't necessarily have access to the kind of lawyers that you want, and this is a great way to be able to connect with the kind oh, of yeah. people that you need. Uh, so give the name of that one more time—the one that you that you like. I use this group called At Virtual Council, like A
0: T, like it's literally like the at sign, and then atvirtualcounsel.com. I think they're they're great. They just, we've used them for several years. We used them for converting us to a, a Delaware C-Corp, doing all the, the paperwork submitted for that, handling the fundraising now, preparing documents. Um, you know, they helped set us up in Gusto and do some of the things with that, hiring, onboarding people, writing your employee manuals, like very operational things. But to do it right, so uh, giving you contracts for working with consultants, reviewing your contracts if you need. So I think it's it's very very good use of your money.
1: Good. Well, no, thank you for that. I actually might check it out myself because yeah, we can always try to save money anywhere we can during that the, that initial 2020 period where you were you know really going all in on the company you're pivoting now to doing mass you talk about you know raising money from friends from you know your your partner from other folks like what was that fundraising stress like trying to raise money during covid because i'll preface it by saying we also were raising money in the same time and we had investors that were committed to us verbally and we were kind of getting down to the final ends of things. And when, when the pandemic hit people's portfolios took a hit. And so some people disappeared. Some yep. people just were feeling uneasy about the media industry for us, but especially for someone who's in the travel apparel industry, there must've been a lot of pushback on somebody looking for money for something like that during that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that, uh, it's always challenging with the fundraising. And to be fair, I, I, I personally think that a lot of these excuses from investors are a bunch of bullshit. Why? Because there's always something going on. There's the pandemic. Then there's the war with Ukraine. Then inflation's going crazy. Before that, it was something else. Like, there's never, when, when is a, a perfect time to give you money? Never. So if they're, if they're giving you excuses because they're full of shit and they're not going to give you money because they were never going to give you money. And a lot of these guys honestly don't are, – aren't leads. You have these conversations with people, and they talk to you, and they say, oh, I lead rounds. I do X, Y, and Z, and they don't, and they're never going to do that. So I think, unfortunately, it, in your case, if I heard you right, is like people maybe said it gave you some, oh, we're interested or we're going to do this, and then they back out, you know. I don't know. I I, I personally think that that's, that's was just an excuse for something that was never mm-hmm. going to happen. But to answer your direct question, we, I think, got – it's all about getting to the right investor. It's – I think when I did this – now I've done it three times, or I'm in the process of doing it for the third time. The first time was, quote-unquote, the easiest because we were so laser-focused on what – we needed, and we had a very specific ask with people who got it that they came forward and gave us money. And this is why. This is exactly what I mean. In this opportunity with the face masks, which is really what they were giving me money for, they were giving me money for, to build the face mask business in a time when we knew that face masks were going to be going to be huge. Next Office was a part of that, but really, what they're saying is like we recognize Brendan that you have this opportunity for uh this product right now when everybody in the world needs it you guys have a first mover advantage and you make one that's going to be sustainable and really good so when we launched in early april we were selling into back order tens of thousands of units on our own site amazon fba came to us amazon fba is fulfilled by amazon that's the prime okay. program They came to us because they saw us in GQ and said, do you guys have inventory? We want to bring you into the prime program and we will move all blocks out of the way to get you launched as fast as possible. Uh, And then Kim and her friends found us a couple wholesale deals. So when I came to these investors, I said, I've got all of this demand. I'm literally selling these things faster than I can make them. Amazon's bringing us in and I've got wholesale orders for several hundred thousand dollars. Give me money so I can ramp up. And the, the first people who gave me money were my friends. There were some friends who came involved and, and overnight wired me 50000 bucks to, to at least get things going. And we signed a convertible note. In the meantime, another friend introduced us to uh, a, a big investment group in Europe. And in the span of like seven days, I had a conversation. I showed them the demand. I showed them what our orders were. And they said, we can do this for you. And, you know, they actually wrote us a million dollar loan for it. I only drew down 250,000 bucks, but it was so laser focused on like working capital because we have this demand, give us the money. And that was it. Um, I think what happens though at times is there's many investors where you come to them and it's not really their space or you don't really have the demand yet. And even though they, they... like all these venture capital guys at least a lot of them want to tell you that they're venture and they're not they're not venture you know what they are they want to be growth capital they want to be we know that you're you're far enough along you're not going to lose our money yeah. capital and that's not really venture capital got to <laughs> so, be a little risk involved here a little risk you know like and and it's funny because in uh, last year when i had to go and we ended up doing another another loan to put it along but i was talking to some people and they're like yeah, you know, come back, come back when you're bigger and other things are happening and we'll give you the money. And I'm like, guys, when I'm bigger, I don't exactly. need your money. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> like, if this was ultra successful and profitable, and I wouldn't need your damn money. But, you know, like, all right. <laughs> it's just it's it's wild to me. So what I'd say is, you know, trying to figure out what the who cares about your space a lot. And who knows your space really deeply? And we are, I think, each time going out there to do this, to find and focus on those few. And maybe there's there's more. I mean, if you're in crypto, you could basically do anything right now and people will hand you money. But for other stuff, it's, it's not that way. And I think you need to be really, really laser focused on who could you go to and... Uh, get them to write you a check quickly. If there's any fiddle futzing around, it's already that to me. It's like, it's like dating, you know, like a once upon a time, you used to be on Tinder or Bumble, right? And yeah. if you, if you message and they don't message back right away, or they message back and then it dies off, it's never yeah, going to happen. Go. You're never going to see this person. It's, <laughs> the, it's the same. It's the same with the investors. I like that <laughs> analogy.
1: And, and you're right too. Cause even if you do happen to get that investor, That's actually probably not a good thing either because now you're going to have somebody who is tied to your company, you know, equity-wise and wants to have input on, you know, even if they don't have, like, the ability to to do anything themselves they're a minority owner, but they're going to want that verbal input of, like, why are you doing this this way? And you're going to be wasting time trying to explain things to them. They're going to be giving you bad ideas that you're going to probably, you know, at times maybe implement and then, you know, hate yourself for. So I think that's a really excellent point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just you want to have the right people and at the end of the day too i think i don't you don't just want money you want connections you want you want scale so if you come into somebody who says hey i can give you money and i can help you get into this place or get to these people or expand into this location that's really i think the most important thing because then it's it's helping you in more ways than just yep. one and I definitely had friends who've taken money, where uh, they didn't they didn't like you know the relationship, and later on were pressured to do a lot of things that, that became uh, you know downright awful.
1: Yeah. And you bring up an excellent point of like those strategic partnerships, those strategic investors can, it, it, yeah, if they have a media outlet that they can now push your content out to, or they have relationships to airlines or what have you, yeah. you know, in your industry, like that's yep. big. And so, yeah, don't just look at investment raising as a, a zero sum game around money. Like, no, there's also other uh, things that are you know, other resources that these people may have that can be a benefit to the yep. business and the growth of the business. But even with the ones who are saying no yep. to you, like, how did you, and how do you, cause I know you're still going through, you know, fundraising, like how do you stay positive yep. in the face of no's? Like how do you not internalize that going into your next meetings?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, that's the big challenge, right? I think that's why the meditation is really important. And at the end of the day for all entrepreneurs, You do this, and you have to be ready for the fact that for the vast majority of the early part of the business, nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to care. It's not going to go that well. And you have to really believe and feel deep down what it is you're embodying in your success. You need to not just say it, but you need to feel deep down passionately that you are successful. This is working. Not even this is going to work, that this worked already past tense. And because of that, you are already successful and being grateful for it. But it is tough. I mean, yeah, when when you hear no's from people, especially when you reach out to uh, some investors where you think that they may be a great fit and they still give you excuses or say no or drag things along, it's definitely not pleasant and it's the type of thing where I, at least I try to focus back in on the business and see what we can always be generating success in the business side to give you that 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 positivity. So you know if you if you're out there talking to investors I think at all times in the business you need to be trying to focus on your business to push it forward and make more money be more successful and then that success itself, feeds into the other i mean if you start to get features and articles or you're you land new customers then you take that to these people and you show them or it better yet is you get pr and earn media and they see it and then it makes your job easier Mm -hmm. and i think that the whole way that you stay positive is you try and put what energy you have you know you gotta have to brute force it a little bit and go out and find these investors and just keep on them keep on them but in the meantime it's even now turn around to my team and be like all right what can what wins can we get this week that are going to help us what wins are we going to be able to take and and truly show progress and then that excitement and that that growth is something that helps you in your conversations.
1: I like that. And speaking of wins, you know, can you uh, let us know maybe some of these more recent wins? It sounds like you've been working with some incredible big brands. And I think I even read about some new ones that you all are going to be working with. So yeah, Yeah. what what are some of the the big things that have been happening lately?
0: It's it's really cool. Uh, I've been doing a lot of outreach over the last several weeks. And there's some big time CEOs in the travel industry that I'm speaking with to either come on board as, in, as investors and as advisors, um, some in the apparel and accessories realm, some in the hospitality realm, and then just seeing that validation is cool. We also uh, are going into some of our first retail locations. So interestingly enough, the Army Air Force Exchange, which basically all military bases, all U.S. ones... Um, either nearby or sometimes on the bases themselves, have retail locations where they've, you know, basically like a store store or a mall for all military discount. And we were in touch with them. They want to put us in different, you know, they have thousands of locations all over the place doing the same thing now. The Navy Coast Guard side heard about it from the Army Air Force people now coming to us too. Uh, We're looking to do some other orders uh, now with a major European airline. Uh, Which is really cool. And just in general, I think, you know, we have some celebrity people now that are going to be getting involved. So it's, it's all these things where you're trying to triangulate this demand. And luckily for us, travel is coming back huge, despite inflation or all the other stuff. I don't think people care. I just I think they're saying we sat inside for two years.
1: <laughs> you know, we're
0: done. I've we're been going to go
1: out. I've been, I've been on six flights in the last five days. So yes, travel is back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Here's here's a, here's a question for you. Did you wear a mask on the plane?
1: I did. I still wear my mask. You did.
0: Mm, see, this is the curious thing. So I'm tonight uh, I have to fly and definitely gonna be wearing a mask on the plane. I think forever I will also wear a mask on the plane because I still have not got COVID once since this whole thing has started. I haven't even gotten sick Same in the last two years. Right? So it's people because they go wild with the mask, like, oh pinching our freedom and whatever. Okay, you go get sick then. <laughs> like I'll wear this, I'll wear this mask, <laughs> which will be mildly annoying. Hey, while while sick. you're
1: also advertising your business. <laughs> yes, and also, yeah,
0: I mean, we also candidly, not for a little next stop plug is we do make literally the world's best travel mask. we were voted that everywhere, travel and leisure, trip savvy, people, people wrote a whole article on our bamboo masks and how amazing they are. they're literally the best ones in the world for travel, so. Yeah, we make them, and you should probably still wear one. So you can find them at nextstop.com.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, you did exactly what I was just about to ask. Where can they, you know, stay up to date? So obviously nextstop.com. Uh, spell it for people though. Uh, so yep. tell them, how, yeah, how to spell that, and then yeah. also your social media uh, that you'd like the people to stay up to date on. Yes. Things. So, so for next stop, that's
0: N X T S T O P, right? So no, no E in next. But the website is www.nextstop.com. TheNextStop.com. You can find us. We're also available on Amazon. We have everything basically there too that you can find. We'd love for you to come to our website, of course. Uh, we do offer Prime shipping for free through our website, and we have more of our selection available there, so we encourage that. And then our social media is uh, Next Stop Apparel on Instagram. Uh, you can find us there, or The Next Stop on TikTok.
1: Thank you to Brendan Kennedy for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can go to our show notes to learn more about Brendan's work. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson and Ryan Woodhall. And until next week, stay safe and stay healthy because the struggle is real.